uh, verse 34. Your eye is the lamp of your body. Our eyes are the lamp of our body, and if our eye is healthy, our whole body is full of light. But if it is not healthy, our body is full of darkness. And I'm sure for most of us, if we take time to think about just who we are, it's probably that mixture of light and darkness, and both of them serve a purpose. And it's taking that time to truly see not only our light, uh, but most people would use the word our shadow, to see our shadow as well. And this works on so many different levels. And also when we think about um, seeing, uh, we we, uh, sing that song, Amazing Grace, quite often uh, with John Newton. And just think about him and what he saw, how he saw the world, how he interacted with people. And he was uh, a slave trader. And then his eyes were opened up, and I'm sure that process happened over the course of many, many years where his eyes were opened up. And he wrote these words, a part of that song. I once was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. And that would be wonderful for all of us to, to maybe we're walking unknowingly in blindness and to have our eyes opened up uh, to see the world with God's eyes there. So as we take a few moments just to pray and to reflect on the nature of seeing, uh, the question I asked in our earlier service is, how has our seeing changed over the years? From the time we were young kids, maybe young adults, how has our seeing changed over the years here? Let's just take a few moments to silently pray and to reflect on that. Let us pray. Amen. Well, as we kind of reflect on that question, as we've uh, grown older, how has our sight changed? How, how the way that we see ourselves and the way we see our, our world and even how we see God? Anybody with any thoughts or comments on that? Yeah, Mark? <laughs> um, well, my wife and I have come up with the acronym SHINE. If you truly want to shine in this world, you have to use that acronym, S-H-I-N-E, seeing, just like you're saying, seeing holiness in everyone. Okay. Seeing holiness in everyone. And to do that, that's a lifelong (laughs) endeavor. (laughs) Back and forth, back and forth, and we might see a holiness in someone for one moment, and the next moment we don't, and... And the same is true of our, ourselves, seeing the holiness as, as well as the shadow there, too. Yeah, yeah, that's good. <laughs> Anyone else on your sight, how it's changed as you've grown older? Yes, Carol? I think part of it, the aging process, used to obsess over little details more than I do now. Now, those are just things. Uh-huh. Uh, and people that matter. And so, you know, we had an accident at the house this week where a cat went zooming across Larry's lap, and he had a full cup of coffee. And the rec cleaners are coming this week. <laughs> <laughs> but I laughed. I mean, I went 
uh, when we're younger and uh, some of those little things that happen, like a spilt cup of coffee, <laughs> it might put us on, on edge for a long time. And then as we grow older, it's like, it's not that big of a deal or we are able to handle it more. Yeah. Yeah. Linda. Yeah, we see, we start seeing beyond ourselves yeah. and uh, <laughs> in the bigger picture and, and having, I think that's a gift of growing older too, is just having more patience and looking around the edges and underneath things to see the whole, the whole picture. Yeah, Ellis? Discernment. Uh-huh. So that we sort things out a little better. Yeah. Because we don't get caught up in emotional responses to things that are really irrelevant. Right. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we have the gift of discernment and just being more patient. Uh, and I, I'd say maybe we don't get caught up as much emotionally as we used to. I still do, but, <laughs> but maybe it just doesn't happen or I, I catch myself a little bit more soon with that. Yeah, Larry? I think I, as I've gotten older, I see with less judgment and more mercy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, hopefully as we grow older, we have more mercy and less judgment, usually because we've been there and done that, <laughs> or we know we easily could do that. So uh, when you see that part of ourselves, that, that shadow again, uh, then the judgment tends to go out the door. It doesn't mean we agree, but we understand how something can happen. Yeah. Anyone else on scene? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Unless we've walked their walk, yeah, we can't really judge that. Yeah, yeah, Philip. Just letting go. Okay. Yeah, a big part of seeing is learning to to let go. Yeah, not being so quick, as we mentioned that word judgment. Judgment has come up quite a bit. <laughs> not being so quick to judge or draw conclusions or to put people in those uh, categories or those labels that were all very complex. Any other thoughts before I share a couple of words here? <clears throat> well, last week um, I, I called an old friend and, and she gave me permission to share this. I won't mention any names, but uh, we just, I called her up just to touch base to see how things were going. And we touched base about our, our families and our friends and, and spiritual matters and just the practices that we are engaged in. And we had this really wonderful flowing conversation and my friend has a very, very, very strong faith. And as a person of color, she's also navigating her way through the very complex and difficult waters of race in America. And as a white male, I don't necessarily understand or I haven't, certainly haven't experienced what she has experienced. So it's, it's good for me to listen to her and her experience and, and these subtle things that happen. And, and uh, not so subtle, where a car might follow her home and park outside her driveway just because of the color of her skin. And she shared some of her concerns and, and some of her struggles. And I was listening to her and trying to hear what she had to say. <clears throat> and then there was a pause on the phone line, a long silence. And she said, Craig, she goes, I've never asked you 
but how do you think of yourself as a white male? It's a really wonderful question. And I know she's a friend. I know she wants what is best for me. She was not attacking. How do you see yourself as a white male in our country? How do I see myself as a fairly healthy, middle-class white male with all the history, <clears throat> the history of white male power and control, the history of white males pretty well making all the decisions from the inception of our country, for the most part, to the present day. There's been good, and there's been a lot of bad, a lot of destruction. And it was a very critical question. I tried my best to answer it, but I'm still pondering it today, and actually for the last several years. What is my place in this history? What is my responsibility? And we all need to ask that question of ourselves today. How do we see ourselves in relationship to other people in our community, in the world? And spirituality is all about seeing with new eyes. It's a wonderful gift. It's not about being the, the same old, same old, but it's about seeing with new eyes. So how do we see ourselves? How do we see our relationships? How do we see our church, our church, as we mentioned many times before, we're, we're moving towards this divide. And how do we see that, that split? How do we see our communities and our nation and our world and our God? Because our image of God is going to influence how we see one another. Do we see a benevolent God or a malevolent God? Is God forgiving or not forgiving? Is God a judge? Or, God, or is God forgiving? It changes everything. Do we see only light? Or do we see darkness as well? And can they coexist with one another? And do we see America the beautiful, a land of opportunity, where anyone, anything can happen, where we can get an education and we can rise up? And do we, also, do we also see a nation that is wounded in need of healing? Can we see the institutional racism and privilege and police brutality? How do we see all these things? Can we see in part or do we see in whole? Can we see the light and can we also see the shadows? within ourselves, in our communities and nation. And Jesus says, the lamp of the body is the eye. The lamp of the body is the eye. And Roar adds to that spiritual maturity is largely a growth in seeing. It's full, and that full seeing seems to take a lifetime. Our sight is continually being renewed in the spirit. And the author, Megan Chance, she writes, imagine you come upon a house and the house is painted brown. What color would you say the house was? And I would respond, well, it's brown, of course. And she says, but what if I came upon the other side of the house and found it to be white? And I might say, well, that would be absurd. Who would paint a house two different colors like that? 
and maybe she would ignore my question. And she goes, well, you say it's brown, but I say it is white. So who is right? Well, we're both right. No, she might say, we're both wrong. The house is not brown or white, it's both. And you and I only see one side, but that doesn't mean that the other side does not exist. To not see the whole is to not see the truth. And think about that house. And think about our complex natures as well. We all have multiple, multiple sides. On occasion, someone might say, oh, I really lost my temper and I got mad. And how often do we say, wow, I can't, I can't ever imagine you getting mad or upset or losing it. Well, we're all very <clears throat> complex and we have these different sides to ourselves. Well, mature faith or contemplation allows us to see the truth of things in their wholeness, says Richard Rohr. And we might call this the third eye or the third way. We might call it seeing with the eyes of God. And we begin to see different sides of a house. We see different sides of an issue. We can see our own beauty and we can see our flaws. And we begin to recognize the complexity of a, the complexity of a situation of people and even our own selves. And we become more compassionate and respectful of difference and diversity. And as many of you mentioned, the judgment becomes less as our understanding grows. <clears throat> and our differences do not, <clears throat> do not seem to bother God or Jesus nearly as much as they bother us. You probably have noticed that there's two creation stories in the Bible. They're the same, but they're different. The authors of scripture were okay with difference. And can we accept that difference as well? <clears throat> I love this stained glass window over here on the side. And I've looked at that quite often. And if you notice, I think it embraces the, the diversity and the richness of God's kingdom and God's love. And Jesus is brown. You thought about that. Jesus is brown. We're not for sure what he looked like, but we know he's from the Middle East. He probably would not have looked European. He's brown in this depiction. And if you look at the children, they're, they're brown and black and, and white. And if you look at closely at their garments, they kind of flow together. So it's kind of hard to tell where one starts and where, where one ends. And the young child on the right, if you notice under his or her, that's easy, it's even hard to tell their gender. If you look under his or her left arm, there's a little crutch there. And Marge Garrett, many of you know her, she made that, that picture. And she mentioned that, that child with that crutch. And that was a, a girl in her granddaughter's class. And she wanted to make sure that the disabled knew that they were welcomed and loved in that kingdom as well. And it reflects that diversity and that richness and that, and that difference that we're all together in Christ's love. I don't know about you, but it seems like we have a tendency. We like to put people and things in square boxes, in little categories and labels. You are male or you are female. You're gay or straight. 
You're conservative or you're liberal. You're red or blue, black or white, rich or poor, good or bad. And we might say you are in or you are out. And sometimes these categories and labels might be necessary, but they always end up being divisive and they separate us. And do we or anyone else ever fit neatly into a box? Or are we more complex than that? And contemplation changes the way that we see. And we begin to see ourselves and other people and things in their wholeness. And how different we are and how alike we are. And maybe Paul says it best in Galatians. He says there is no longer, and I've always been fascinated, even as a little kid, just been fascinated by this verse. He says there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ. There's this oneness. We're the different. We are different, but we are also the same. And so how do we see one another. One of my former mentors, uh, Pastor Lynn, who was a minister at, at the Cortez Methodist Church for many years, he said one time early in his ministry, someone, uh, a member of his church came up to him and said, I don't like the poor. The poor are a nuisance. They're just a drag on our community and our society. All they do is take and take and take. And Lynn looked at him. Think about our own attitudes towards the poor. And Lynn said, well, how many poor people do you know? And he said, well, I know this guy and I know this woman. And he goes, well, how many poor people have you had, you had over to eat? And he says, none. And Lynn said, well, why don't you invite some poor people to your home, share a meal with them, learn their names, and hear their story, and really get to know them. And then you can come back and we can have a conversation about how we feel about the poor. And what Lynn knew is that when we come to nobody, to know someone and to, to truly see how complex they are and to hear their story, that judgment and that condemnation tends to go out the door. It's almost impossible, I'd say, for us to demonize someone we truly see and understand. And even think about Jesus. He's fully human and fully divine. How can you be 100% of two different things? How is that possible? We need to see with new eyes to truly see and experience Jesus in that kingdom of heaven. And think about our own selves and our own natures. Are we gracious and kind and generous? Absolutely. And are we also impatient? Do we get petty and start focusing on those little things that you mentioned and lose track of what's really important? Are we both? And we need new eyes to see, to see people and situations in their entirety. And then that judgment and that condemnation tends to become less and less as our eyes mature. And so I think back to that question that my friend asked me. How do I see myself 
as a white male. It's really difficult. I felt very good at different times about that, and I've also felt shame. It's a topic of conversation nationally <laughs> about how do we see whiteness. And it's dividing our country. I can remember growing up, though, my father, he held my life in his hands. And he allowed me to fail. And he allowed me to succeed. And he didn't say a whole lot, but I knew I could always come home. And that made all the difference in the world. And I'm so grateful for his patience that he had with me. And I also appreciate the minister uh, who continued to love me and Jennifer when we left his church. Because we were going to a place of higher ground. To a better church. And he welcomed us home with open arms when we came back limping and wounded. And so I had many very positive models from men who happened to be white. But I also grew up in, in central Texas with many good people. And I heard when we moved there, we went there, I was born there, and we moved back when I was in the fifth grade. And I heard that my hometown, which I love very much to this very day. But once I, they had a sign on the outskirts of town, and that sign said, if you are black, do not let the sun go down on your back in this town. And I don't know if that was true or not. But I do know that the culture that was ingrained, that it ingrained in me a certain way to see white and to see non-white. I remember going to the pharmacy. It was one of those old small town pharmacies in the afternoons. And it had the, the soda fountain. Remember the old soda fountains where they'd mix up the syrup and the carbonation and you always got a different Coke every day that way? <laughs> but I, I loved going there and getting a Coke. It had a couple booths. And the men in town would gather around in the afternoons. I didn't know who they were, but now I would identify they were the good old boys. <laughs> and I was welcomed to sit down at a booth with them. And they would tell stories and talk about local politics and national politics. And I was just digesting all of this, taking it all in. And I don't ever think there was an afternoon that I was there where the conversation did not turn to ethnic jokes and how they devalued another human race in a group of people. And those scales formed over my eyes without me even being conscious of it. Those scales of racism and bias and, and privilege. And I was blind to it. It was just part of my life. So how do we see? We cannot see inside of total light, but we also cannot see inside of total darkness. Think about that, says Roar. When I think about my upbringing, it was full of grace and beauty and wisdom, but it was also full of violent intolerance. And I'm very thankful for the gift of contemplation because through grace and silence and introspection, we can start to see with new eyes. 
and those scales of fear and ignorance begin to fall off one by one. And then we can start to sing as John Newton said in his song, a former slave trader who wrote in his enduring song, I once was blind, but now I see. Having new eyes. The contemplative mind does not tell us what to see, but it does teach us how to see what we behold, says Roar. And so my prayer for all of us today, wherever we may be in our walk and our journey, that the scales may continue to fall from our eyes so that we can see whole with the eyes of God and that we may see that we are all one in Christ. Amen. Oh, 
was blind but now I see Amen <clears throat> Thank you. Well, it's time for our prayers, just uh, joys and celebrations, as well as uh, concerns that we would like to lift up. <clears throat> 